Clinton, and uh, you're listening to what the Bill Clinton? <laughs> who the who the who did I fuck with Bill Clinton? <laughs> you're listening to my favorite murdered call girl <laughs> <laughs> with Bill Clinton. Yeah, hey folks, you're listening to my favorite murdered call girl with Bill Clinton. Folks, a lot of people out there are just. Taking their CBD and droplets or pills. I'm here to say you can be smoking your CBD, okay? <laughs> Blue Chew. Blue Chew is one of the only things that got me through the whole Kosovo incident. I, I couldn't maintain my erection through all of Kosovo, I'll be honest with you. I saw that war-torn country and... Suddenly, I couldn't no longer sexually assault my staff in good conscience, you know? But thankfully, Blue Chew got me there, got me where I needed to go. Anyway, folks, on the podcast today, we're going to be interviewing UFO experts. (laughs) Experts on UFOs. Yeah, I'm a doctor of Sasquatches. I've been on the Joe Rogan experience a couple of times. This is real shit. Bill Clinton has a podcast. (laughs) Man, I thought it was funny last week. Michelle Obama has a podcast. (laughs) Now Bill Clinton. The Democrats are fucking useless. This is insane. (laughs) This is how they spend their time. Trying to make money for themselves... I mean, I'm sure it's all going to be donated, right? It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? You egomaniacs. Go fucking help. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. And Los Angeles is burning. Go make a million dollars with your bland appeal to centrism. I'm sure that's what's really going to help us in the face of fascism. <laughs> Is the old shoot him, shoot him in the arm, not the head politics. Oh my God. Well, it's working out. Don't worry. Vote blue, no matter who. Blue chew, no matter who. That should be the Bill Clinton tagline. He just says blue chew, no matter who. <laughs> Blue chew, no matter who. Blue chews matter. Well, folks, enough lame impressions. Uh, today's the biggest episode we've ever had. Uh, our biggest celebrity get will be here in the second half. Arnold Schwarzenegger is on the show. You guys, welcome to Y'all Ever. This is a comedy mental health podcast all about this universal, super relatable humor of staring into the dark abyss. And sometimes we have guests. And today is international action comedy 
star of the world, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Universe, is here. I can't wait. Can't wait to talk to the governor. Um, you know, just to take a break from all that lame celebrity uh, impression stuff I was doing at the beginning. I think that's kind of lame. And I really can't wait to just have a sit-down conversation with my very good friend, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, let's see, what else is going on? Oh, guys, I just got on Twitch. I think my account is just Hampton Yunt at Twitch or, you know, go to twitch.com. Follow me there. I'm going to be playing the Arkham Batman series of games over again because I saw that they're going to be coming out with a Suicide Squad game by the same company like a year from now. And fuck, I'm excited about that. And I was like, God damn, I miss playing those old Batman games. So I was like, oh, get back into gaming, set up a Twitch account, and I don't know, I'll do like commentary. I don't think it's going to be quite like Mystery Science Theater, but I'll be, you know, talking to you guys also, uh, which is kind of cool about Twitch. So I don't know, check it out. Um, I'm trying to get excited about like dumb side project things. I just got a puzzle. (laughs) I've been looking for puzzles for a long time, but it's so sad. It's like, I'm like, I want to... I want a puzzle, but I don't want to just do a, a giant puzzle of like a horse or a meadow or some dumb shit. And then I was like, well, I guess like I had to look up. I was like, what are fun puzzles? <laughs> and then I'm like looking at Star Wars puzzles and being like, I hate Star Wars. Like, I don't I don't know what is not a horse and a meadow and not Darth Vader. And then when I was at the comic book store uh a while back they have a tales from the crypt puzzle holy shit this is so cool a tales from the crypt puzzle just looks like one of the covers of the magazines this is dope um i'm all excited to just have like as many little fantasy projects going on at once (laughs) so i feel like i'm accomplishing things that's why video games rule it's like i'll never defeat fascism in america but if i play wolfenstein i can shoot a hitler robot and feel good for a minute and it's an achievable goal you know set small goals Mm, okay this is a good prompt for a y'all ever uh guys feel free to always write into y'all ever email at gmail.com and i guess this prompt is y'all ever (laughs) really feel like you got something out of a like a fantasy escapism kind of achievement more than a real life moments (laughs) i think there's been times when i finished a book and i felt i felt strong as strong about that as like relationships in my life (laughs) i don't know can you relate uh tell me a story doesn't have to be long short and sweet works fine but i appreciate everybody writing in and thanks for everybody that's written in for the y'all ever listen to music playlist that i put on my artist spotify i've like love listening to those on the patreon because i get to play the music actually and i get to put on music that i think is interesting like i did play dane cook had a song that he made uh superstar dane cook had a song you know how y'all uh you ever make a you ever make a song 
You make a song, right? Everybody who makes a song is always holding a, a watermelon. You ever notice that? This dude knows what I'm talking about. What's up, bro? You ever, you ever go into a bank and you've just got a gun? You ever go into... Who, everyone who is in a bank has a gun, right? And we're all like, who has the gun? I do. Anyway, Dane wrote a song called Forward. It's inspirational. It's about believing in yourself. If you sometimes don't believe in yourself when you're performing for stadiums. Uh, so you probably can relate to that. Hey, Freddie Mercury sung about being under pressure to a stadium. So, I mean, how narcissistic is that? <laughs> you think you got problems on this stage, on stage there making millions of dollars, buddy? Take a look around. There's a stadium full of people with fucking problems. You think you got pressure? I got four kids, motherfucker! <laughs> The guy who goes to see Queen to just be a real king. <laughs> yes, king. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of another Queen song. Mm -hmm. uh, Radio Goo Goo. What's this? What's this Radio Gaga stuff? It's fucking for babies. <laughs> All right, that was less good, <sighs> but we found it. Achievable goals. That's what it's all about. So check out the Patreon if you want to see those cool episodes. They come out every week on Monday. Plus, there's the back catalog of old Y'all Ever and Suicide Buddies episodes. Uh, check it out for $5 a month. You can support the pod and you get free shit. And uh, I'm happy. And then capitalism is happy. Isn't it wild that money is just an illusion and largely every problem is somehow <laughs> systemic from that? <laughs> like, it's just an illusion. It's a shared delusion. Uh, every dollar bill is says on it something like this is in good faith to the United States government. So the odd thing is, like, maybe the only way we can actually cure a lot of ills in our society is we have to go back to square one completely. Like, if you want to get rid of systemic racism inside of the police, you pay them nothing. You pay everybody nothing. Suddenly, money is worthless. You have no power. Uh, it's back to square one. You only do things because you want to. <laughs> and you're the best at your job. So that you're uh, given a job. And we just start over from square one. We figure out some sort of new form of not currency, but way that you uh, get <laughs> foods, goods, you're taken care of. <clears throat> I think uh, the Borg had this idea in Star Trek, right? Where you just, uh, you live in kind of a coffin inside of a giant cube and everybody's equal and you just have a number. And then some of you are Jerry Ryan and are a supermodel for no real reason, so... Do you think the other Borg looked at Jerry Ryan, <laughs> seven of nine, and was just like, what the fuck? Why does she get to be hot? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, 
you took away my dick. She has just like a little eyebrow thing. Like what the fuck? It's not. It's not that weird. She looks like a fucking Maxim model. All right. <laughs> God damn, I miss UPN. I went. I I miss Shasta McNasty when things were simple. <sighs> Homeboys in outer space. <laughs> That was a Wayans Brothers thing, I think. Man, UPN was great. That's the thing. I th- I already thought well before Barack Obama or Michelle Obama's podcast, I thought racism was solved in America with homeboys in outer space. <laughs> we sent a homeboy into outer space. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's NASA with a hard R. All right, buddies, let's read an email from one of you guys. Thanks for writing in again to y'alleveremail at gmail.com. I appreciate the hell out of you taking the time, especially now during coronavirus. I mean, what the fuck? You're taking time to write me an email? Like, you're the best audience in the world. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, this email begins... Y'all ever lose your entire friend group in quarantine? Um, hmm. (laughs) It's been drastic how much I've self-isolated. So I don't know if it's everyone entirely. For me, it feels like I just need to reach out to people. I mean, my good friend Arnold Schwarzenegger will be on the second half of this program. So that is pretty cool that uh, he stepped up to uh, give me the biggest celebrity (laughs) interview I've ever had. Um, But I think I also, I don't know, I've just been kind of dealing with this thought that um, it's not anyone's fault, but basically there haven't been a couple guests on uh, the last couple episodes just because a couple reasons. One, I wanted to see for myself if I could actually just do an episode myself and read some emails. And I've had a blast doing it. So I also got a ton of response back saying, this is great. I love this. You've kept the rhythm. And as much as that feeds into my narcissistic qualities, it at least helped me know that like, if I'm in a pinch, I can do it myself, basically. Because I kept having guest after guest have to back out last minute. And it's like no one's fault. But basically, during this pandemic, it's like everyone's schedule is up in the air. And so many of the people I know have children and jobs that come up last minute. So and also, like, I don't think, you know, it's necessary to hear me just interview somebody just to interview somebody. It doesn't really make much sense. Right. So, um I think it's uh was cool to do episodes myself, but um I think also there were a couple guests where they just had to drop out just due to circumstance. And like I just have such a huge <laughs> internal problem dealing with those sorts of things. And it's taken me a long time to really figure out why. And one is that it takes me so much to reach out to friends and reach out to people uh, in general because you're you're putting yourself out there and uh, you're relying on other people's help. And then I think when it doesn't happen... 
I just get so, um, like hurt. I, I, which is wrong. I internalize it way too much that then I'm scared to ask other people because then I'm afraid it's just going to keep, um, like not, uh, being fulfilling. You know, I think something that people often don't realize was self-isolating. It's really this kind of fear of, uh, letting people down, but also being hurt, you know, um, that you're not going to like receive the same amount of attention you're putting in to a friendship or, or people. And that feels shitty. Cause it's like, I've gotten to this point where I'm doing that for stuff that doesn't mean that at all. Like it's, it's such on a professional level that it's like people just have obligations and things that come up. But at this point I've not learned how to deal with uh, disappointment from people that I love <laughs> Like on any level, <laughs> it's not healthy. It really isn't. It's not healthy. I have to just calm down, man, and like uh, reach out as much as possible and re-engage uh, friendships and realize that uh, I think Dave had told me this, but it's like people because uh, he was dealing with this uh, situation at one point and he was just like someone had told him that basically like everyone just has a whole life going on that you don't really uh, know about or know what's going on. And I mean, especially right now during Corona, it's like, you have to be so considerate that it's like, yeah, like um, any, <laughs> anything is like more important than a, than like a podcast, you know, as much as I love this podcast, it's like, you can't force other people to love it <laughs> and feel feel the, the you know the connection to my project yeah it's it's just insane to expect that of people and you know i think that's maybe something i've had to deal with um and come on the other side of here recently like i've really been like i i need to reach out to these people and i've made some moves to do that yeah and i think i'm um you know i'm i'm excited to uh allow more people into my life <laughs> Not just necessarily related to the podcast, but just to um, allow more friendships to come in. I don't know. Okay, that's enough about me. I w <laughs> All right, let's get in. Hey, Hampton. If you read my email on the pod, uh, sorry, if you read my email on the pod, you can use my whole damn name. Let the whole world know I'm fucking depressed. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is Danny DeVito writing in. Holy shit! Both the twins on the pod? <laughs> I'm sorry to hear you're depressed. Uh, not Danny DeVito, someone else. Shit. That kind of reminds me there's a whole stack of emails from Danny DeVito that I haven't even read. And I won't. Sorry, you blew it. Weird that I stack my emails? Hey, fuck you. Yeah, I print them and stack them. Stack them up to your height, DeVito. You must be this tall to write into the podcast, Danny Dorito. Okay, going back into this real person's real email uh, about their real depression. <laughs> 
So they go, first off, this podcast has been helping me with my severe clinical depression for years now, ever since I was diagnosed at the age of 13. Whoa. And then they write in parentheses, I'm 16 now. Holy shit. God damn. You're so much more self-aware than I was at 13. <laughs> I mean, I was miserable. Yeah. I don't know if I had a name for it yet. Um, so going back to it, uh, through medication changes, self-harm relapses, and a lot of therapy, you and Dave have been important voices of care and laughter for me. Thank you. It's helped more than you can ever know. Wow. Uh, damn. Uh, they read, uh, now on to the prompt of losing a friend. I can one up that. I lost my entire friend group recently. For months now, tension has been building between me and one specific person over things like the Black Lives Matter movement, pride, and me being open with my mental health struggles. What the fuck? Really? It has come to a head as the entire group slowly began excluding me from more and more, uh, from more and more activities. The other five kids hung out constantly and spontaneously, while I was the only one excluded time after time. They're my oldest and closest friends, or so I thought, and that hurt me a lot. It really took a toll on my mental health, and I'm sure my therapist got tired of hearing the same story every week, ending me in breaking down in tears. You know what? That's, I mean, totally valid like um, feeling, but... I think sometimes people feel that way a lot of that, like, I felt it for sure that I'm like, I'm just saying the same fucking stories um, over and over, you know, and uh, there's a really dumb movie <laughs> that's actually kind of good called I Heart Huckabees. Uh, and I, I kind of recommend people check it out. I really do. Because it's, it's worth the watch. It's definitely not uh, completely bullshit like you know like it's not like a fast and furious schlock movie yeah <laughs> fast and huckabees i i heart fast and furious and huckabees uh no but they they have this scene in it where uh jude law's character is like this slick businessman he always tells this this story that just makes everybody like him you know and i think the uh Dustin Hoffman plays him this tape of him like telling the same story all the time, you know, like he has to listen. He, he just li starts listening to it obsessively because he realizes how much he tells this same story all the time. It's like hundreds of times. And he just realizes what a fucking fraud he is. <laughs> and he starts vomiting. So it's pretty cool. I mean, like I really related hard <laughs> to like feeling like a fraud like that. I don't know. I kind of recommend that movie for that. But um, so I would just say with um, your therapist, it's funny. It's like that's that's their job is to hear you no matter what you say. Trust me, the hardest day in a therapist's life is when you don't say shit. That happens to them all the time. And they don't know what to do with that. Um, you telling a story over again that's fine that's part of what you know your process is and then they'll um tell you kind of or at least help you see you know maybe why you're talking about that all the time it's not uh it's not annoying you know <laughs> it'd be 
funny if that's how doctors relate, you know, <laughs> reacted. If you were like, I have a gunshot wound. And they're like, you know, you, you're kind of annoying. You're always like, oh, it's my gunshot wound. You know, here you go again with your, oh, my gunshot wound. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> you probably don't even give a fuck that it's my birthday, huh? You've just been talking and talking this whole time about your trauma. You never even bothered to bring up once. Hey, when's my birthday? Guess what? It's today. And you missed it. All you brought me was a gunshot wound. Oh, your gunshot wound. Mm. So, will that be check? Let's see, jumping back in. However, being the great therapist that she is, she encouraged me to just ask them what was going on. Well, I did, and I got some decisive answers. I was informed that they felt as though I demanded to be number one on their priority list, while they were always at the bottom of my list. I was also told they don't like talking to me or being around me because 100% of what I talk about when I open my mouth is my depression, and it's depressing. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't sound like the most empathetic group of people. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> this helped me to realize I needed to remove myself from that toxic situation. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had contact with anyone since that message. If I can't feel safe and supported with my friends, I need new best friends. You're a thousand percent right. That's just absolutely the right angle on that. I mean, that's wild. Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. They're not acknowledging their own fault because it's like... If that truly is just so impossible, you know how they dealt with it was by not telling you anything and withdrawing all contact. You know, it's like there was there was no communication or friendship being engaged there. And I think that's the real fault, uh, you know, so. I think you are really strong to uh, see that at a young age. I mean, I've been there, uh, I think healthy people lose their high school friends uh you're i've dropped my friends throughout life like everyone who i went to school with and then i went to college and then i started doing comedy in virginia and then i moved to la um and it's just a lot of different scenes in my life and it's hard to relate to people who you know especially in high school you all are friends because you live in the same area codes. <laughs> like there's not like, you're probably better friends with people you know online than the people you share a locker space with. It doesn't really fucking matter. <laughs> but, you know, not to be like, you know, completely cutting yourself off and there's no hope for people. I think that there's a lot of good in everybody and, you know, we can find common ground and you don't have to have completely shared interests with people to be good, great friends with them. But I think it's also like, it's really a great idea to start demanding more of how people treat you at a young age. The worry is that it could get into like a type of, you know, narcissism thing that like is never satiated, like no one's good enough for how they treat you. But I think it's good to demand standards for yourself. There's there has to be a bare minimum, 
at a at a young age, uh, which I never had. Uh, I never thought to do, but I, I'm saying this would have improved uh, my life and I think a lot of people's lives. If at a young age you start asking for a bare minimum of how you should be treated from the world and especially your friends and people who you're going to give your time to, like, that's crazy. I mean, especially to really rag you for the thing that's that's bumming you out the most or, you know, causing you the most stress in your life. I mean, <laughs> and also maybe it's a bit of a self-reveal that, like, you know, you have told your friends so much about your depression and it's fallen on deaf ears and it's almost like you're telling yourself like these people are not listening they they are tapped out you know but i hope you learn from my mistakes in life like never stop reaching out to people and it's not even because like you'll just necessarily get the right combo of friends together and everything will be perfect from then on. No, it's because the act of going to people with the confidence that no matter what happens, you're in control of the situation, that's powerful. And I think that's uh, healthy that, you know, you, you're coming into friendships with not a lot of baggage it's weird it's true with all relationships just like you can't go into the next one being like well so in my last friendships you know like so in my last relationship it was it was like this and i'm just really worried that you're gonna be like that like you know what i mean like but never stop reaching out to new people and, you know, just forming new relationships and kind of letting yourself get stronger, you know, like, um, that's what's important. All right, let's go back in. <clears throat> During quarantine, I've grown close with people I barely knew in the normal world. They are fantastic, honest, open, supportive, loving, and super fucking cool about the current political state of the world. One of the coolest qualities in a friend is being able to talk about, geek out about, and rave over shared opinions about pride, BLM, and the destructive human tornado that we call our president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Find your tribe, for sure. Absolutely. Um, this email is getting long, so I'll keep this little current status short. I'm doing a lot better in terms of depression, but I live in an area of Oregon that is currently on the verge of being threatened by wildfires. Whoa, fuck. No. So right now, my anxiety is through the roof. We are prepping to have to evacuate with our livestock and pets, but hoping there will be no need. As an asthmatic wheezer, I can't go outside without a mask. And even then, I can only be outside for a few minutes safely. Whoa. Hope this email finds you well and that you enjoyed my story. I feel like if we met, we would be friends, despite the age difference and wildly different lives we live. <laughs> yeah, despite the laws forbidding my friendship with children. <laughs> Damn laws. <laughs> no, that's uh, 
That's hysterical. Because that, like, that would be just so funny if that was the only reason I didn't have like eight-year-old friends <laughs> and stuff like that. But no, of course, you seem like really awesome. Uh, you seem like the type of teenager who comes to shows that I've done, and like you, you guys are awesome. Like you get it. Um, and I think the fact that you listen to a podcast about mental health at sixteen shows, you know, I, yeah, I think we could be. <laughs> I think there's a world where we would be friends. Um, dear Lord. Um, they write, thank you to death, Joe Cleveland. Everybody now knows about Joe Cleveland's death. Oh, Peter, I have depression. <laughs> this is the Cleveland depression. <laughs> this is my family. I am forced by a white guy. This is problematic as can be. How did it take this long for us to realize this is wrong? <laughs> this is the Cleveland show. Ah, oh, man. Well, Cleveland and Apu are now in heaven. Thanks, Joe, for writing in. That was awesome. I mean... Fuck those friends. The best part is, and this is sincere, I mean, for real, your high school friends, 99.99999%, you will never see those fucking people ever again, like, if you just go move one town over, one town over, never see those people in your fucking life ever again. So don't beat yourself up. If you lose those friends, you were probably going to lose them over, like, the dumbest shit in the world. You were going to lose those friendships over, like, you didn't take a Jaeger shot with me. You know, when you're in college, that's you're going to lose half of your friendships over just drinking games. And I think it's better to get it out of the way over things that you actually believe in. And that's the weird thing is like if anybody doesn't want to talk about that kind of stuff right now <laughs> and they're your age, how boring is that shit? Like what? You just want to you know talk about sports all day or something? Like you don't give a shit that school was closed? <laughs> like the entire world is like, you know, in chaos. It's, it's a good time to become a little bit political. You're about to vote. It's a good time to get a little bit informed. I was literally so uninformed when I was uh, a high schooler that it was the Al Gore George Bush election. And like right up until the election, I was like, I don't, what's the difference? Like, I don't know anything. Like, I'm like, what, what's the difference between Republican and Democrat? Like, see, they both seem boring. They both seem really lame and boring. I was just like completely tapped out. I was like, yeah, SNL both does like kind of funny characters about them. I guess I kind of don't want to see Daryl Hammond. I want to see Will Ferrell. So like I was kind of like, yeah, it'd be kind of funny to see that guy. You know, Will Ferrell do more George Bush. And I voted. I, I don't think I even voted that election. Um, no, might have been right before I was able to. But that's the that's the thing. I'm like, God damn. I had no idea what was going on. Um, well, holy shit. You rock, Joe. But I also want to let you know, and I'm not trying to like oversimplify things, but I will say it gets so much harder to make friends 
as you get older, like I'm 36. So it's like if I strike up a conversation somewhere <laughs> with somebody my age, there's no like, let's, yeah, let's start hanging out. Like, it's, it's not even a fucking factor. <laughs> if I had been at the comic store, like, you know, tried to talk to somebody about the puzzle I'm making. <laughs> With people who share my interests, it's the quietest place on earth to go to a comic book store. It's people who share a diehard obsession, and then generally it's the cashier and their friends talking <laughs> in the store. Everyone else completely silent. But I, I should easily be going up to people and be like, holy shit, you like comic books too? I love comic books. Let's just start talking. Like, you know what I mean? But then it's 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 impossible. It's impossible. And I feel like I made so many friends in my life just, uh, you know, going through the system, going through school, uh, getting a, getting jobs, that you're fine. You're going to meet a ton of people, other people who want to make friends. They don't want to be dicks. They've maybe uh, become more learned, more cultured in the world. <laughs> maybe they want to talk about politics and society so I think you'll do fine. Uh, I think uh, let's take a break. This is awesome. Let's be back in a second with my interview with my good buddy, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, see, this is a testament to making friends later in life. I never expected to be friends with Mr. Total Recall. Uh, that's the weird thing is to train for the part of Total Recall, he learned how to memorize everything. And it's honestly made our friendship quite impossible because he never lets anything go. And it's like, hey man, are you going to totally recall everything that I've ever said and just throw it back in my face? And, uh... Luckily, we've worked through that, and uh, we're just ready to have a good time. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Sign up at patreon.com slash yalllever to get Patreon episodes every week of this podcast. Way to support the podcast that's uh, easy for less than the price of a sandwich. Once a month, you get four episodes bonus, plus the back catalog of Y'all Lever episodes and Suicide Buddies. Hell yeah. Well, holy shit, here we are. Um, biggest interview I've ever had on the podcast. Uh, a lot of people were like, oh my God, it's just going to be uh, you either talking you know, to yourself or just with your comic buddies. Nope, I got one of the biggest stars on the planet here in the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hi. Oh, good. Good to see you, man. Um, what's going on? Uh, you you look incredible. Honestly, you look super fit. You look just jacked. Come on, don't bullshit me. I I'm not. I'm not trying to bullshit you, man. You you honestly, you son of a bitch. You possibly are the most fit person I've ever seen in my entire life. Fuck you asshole. Uh, okay, well that felt more directed, but 
I feel like I'm jealous of you. I mean, you just maybe have a born physique that allows you to just be gigantic, you know? I mean, is it even hard to work out? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, are you were you genetically already going to be somewhat gigantic and impressive? Or, I mean, like, could I ever get to your level? You lack discipline. All right, well, that's fair. I mean, I definitely lack discipline. Uh, but I don't know if that's, you know, all it takes. I feel like you, you know, was your father a gigantic guy? You know, anyway, I mean, I feel like someone like yourself has probably had enough time in the public eye and just had enough relationships that maybe they have some insight. What do you want from me? Well, I mean, I just want you to kind of, I guess, talk about ways that people can live an Arnold Schwarzenegger life. I mean, you seem like you have it together. Uh, we've been best friends since as long as I can remember. And I just kind of wonder what people can do to really be like you. No deal. Okay, well, um, that was... Uh, really rude to stop me like that what's going on man it seems like it seems like something's bothering you you're agitated do you need to use the restroom i'll be back okay yeah uh down the hall to the to the right okay well folks arnold has to take a bathroom break and uh that's kind of weird. I mean, as a way to prove his masculinity, when he first came in, he just started peeing in the corner. Uh, full blast. Soaked it up. And, I mean, I guess he has to go again. You know? guy like him probably drinks a lot. Or, I don't know, has diabetes or some shit. Let's read another email from one of you guys. Thanks for writing in again to y'all ever email at gmail.com. Let's see. This email was in response to the y'all ever listen to music prompt. So the subject line is y'all ever listen to music. Let's see. Uh, hey, Hampton. Preferably don't say my name. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Always appreciate it when you let me know. Thank you. Um, the song I put on the playlist is Casino by Gleamer. Their whole album, Down Through, is a golden shoegazy masterpiece, in my opinion. But this song in particular, I love. Wow, well, I love, actually, uh, shoegaze music, <laughs> for the most part. I want to not like it, but it seems to strike a chord with me. It's almost like they are writing the songs and titling them Hampton. <laughs> Where I'm like, you, wrote, you followed me and wrote this, right? <clears throat> go on it's been one of the weirder years of my life oh really just you no just no <laughs> for a multitude of reasons but the main is my grandmother passed away recently she was covid positive but it was actually a bizarre freak accident that got her first life is fucking terrifying holy shit damn I'm sure that's going to be the prognosis on a lot of these deaths is like, yeah, they died of COVID, but 
But did they really need to be 85? You know, they got COVID, but they did they need to be reasonably old? <laughs> They're going to blame everyone and just deny all the deaths. Ugh, I fucking feel terrible for people. <clears throat> so going back in. Um... Right before COVID, I quit my regular ass job so I could full-time pursue the dream and the struggle of writing and publishing short stories and novels. Both of my grandmothers weren't doing well at the time, so since I wasn't stuck with a job, I ended up moving back to my hometown to live with my parents and sisters, sister so I could help take care of my grandmothers. Wow. <laughs> One sister, two grandmothers at the same time. Holy shit, is it weird having to live with your parents again after years of having been away from them? <laughs> God damn, I can't even imagine. I mean, yikes. <laughs> oh man, my heart goes out. They go, everyone's great and nice, but we've all really dug into our weird quirks over the years of being away from each other, and it makes for very weird interesting living dynamic no shit exactly that's the thing it's like what are you gonna do you can't have like you know roommate discussions that you would have in your 20s with your parents when you're both fucking adults <laughs> like if at a certain point you don't know how to do your own dishes you should be executed <laughs> Or there's some sort of arrangement where someone does the dishes and someone does something else. But I mean, like, what, you know, you can't have those conversations at that point. <laughs> it's going to drive you absolutely crazy. All right, well, let's see. They say, I have bipolar disorder, and I view it as I'm lucky enough for my disorder to have been so severe that I had a clear diagnosis. Wow, that's actually very true. <clears throat> I went to treatment throughout 2016 and 2017 when I was in my early 20s and have been properly medicated ever since, and I've had some good years of mostly stabilized functioning. But this whole thing has thrown me back into my anxious, detached-from-reality, death-obsessed mindset that I'm having a hard time shaking. It's nowhere close to how bad it was before, but it's bad. Being around my family is so nice, especially since we'll probably never be all together again like this under the same roof, but also so heartbreaking seeing on how a daily basis my father goes through dealing with his mother passing in such a tragic way. Wow. Let's see. I have an awesome therapist and psychiatrist, so I'm confident I'm going to get through it and everything will be fine. But boy, is all of this going to suck major ass in the meantime. Yikes. Yeah, there's no denying. I mean, you're going through such a stressful time that it's kind of like, even if you're aware of all your, you know, triggers and things that are going to be upsetting about this, it doesn't doesn't eliminate the situation but you're gonna be going through it <laughs> that's the thing it's like yeah you're really you're being aware you're going through it and you know what it is and i think that's actually the best way to um get on the other side 
let's see going back to this song that they wrote in about uh by gleamer the song casino uh i've been listening to the song for a while i listen to this whole album when i write because all of my writing is depressing as shit (laughs) hard to relate as the literary world likes to call it profound (laughs) yeah you know exactly like you think you can dig deep to somewhere genius you think you can rephrase the sentence i'm sad into something so profound (laughs) and there's nothing more profound than i'm sad (laughs) see they go on it's one of those songs i listen to over and over again until i'm sick of hearing it for the day but then i also can't wait to hear it again the next day i listen to it on the I listened to it on the car ride to my grandmother's funeral with my sister and for days after. Yeah, it's weird around a funeral. like you, I mean, especially music. It feels like every song is written for you. It's the same thing with like going through a breakup. If it, it suddenly feels like every song was written about your experience. But I don't know why. You just latch on to a song and uh, you feel like sharing it. And I think that's all very healthy. I really do um for for damn sure um they write the three chords right after the lyrics it is all that you talk about it is all that you talk about hit me right in the feels and it's all as if my sadness is conveyed in those five simple seconds wow damn i gotta listen to this fucking track uh, my family and I listen to music many nights to, together after dinner. Aren't we the cutest? And I played this song for them, and my dad slow danced with my mom. <laughs> I'm hoping everyone will appreciate the song for its ability to express when it's hard to express yourself. Uh, to end this on a fun note, I saw your headlining set when you were in Atlanta this last December, and it was amazing, and I had a blast. Can't wait to catch another set the next time you're in town thanks for being awesome wishing you all the best i won't say your name just because i don't want to put you on blast unless you tell me um oh my god um this is this is so nice of you and thank you for coming to see me in atlanta that show is amazing dude the show i did in atlanta um I can't remember the name of the inn where I did it. There was an inn where they had like a hotel set up. And then downstairs in the basement area was the show location. And I was so amped for these shows in Atlanta. And they were awesome. They were they were fantastic, honestly. When I walked into the venue, I knew the venue was cool because it just had a line of N64s uh, plugged in. There was just a bunch of Nintendo 64s plugged in. And I'm like about to go start the show and everything. I was like, no one told me there was video games below the, the hotel I'm staying in. No one told me that. And I came downstairs and like, holy shit, there's all these fucking Nintendo 64s. And then they were, they literally started turning them off as they showed up. They were like, well, now it's time for the show. I was like, no one told me there were Nintendo 64s at a bar. I would be, I would be here all day. 
And instead, I'd been stewing in the um, the hotel area. So here's the thing. It's, it's totally cool. Like, the place is super nice, but I will never be staying in that hotel again because I asked them the next day, right away, and I'm not superstitious at all, but I go, hey, so, like, people talk about how this place is haunted, right? <laughs> they were like, yes, all the time. Oh, my God. It's actually a tourist attraction for people who want to stay the night in a haunted hotel. I was like, okay, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> you gave me a free room. You didn't tell me it was in a haunted hotel. <laughs> That was so fucking scary. I swear to God. Like, I'd never seen something like that. There were just such odd sounds throughout the entire two nights I was there. I was just laughing at myself. Oh, my God. That Atlanta show was insane. I mean, the night before, I got pulled over by a cop. And um, I swear to God, I had stopped at the bar in the airport before i left had a drink i'd uh got my rental car i uh smoked some weed (laughs) that i had and i think i uh was just trying to find a a place to eat by the hotel. I checked into the hotel and then I literally drove around the block, like a couple hundred feet. And I got pulled over by a cop and man, just, (laughs) I don't think I've ever been that anxious in my fucking life. I mean, literally, I've been here in L.A., and I've had the LAPD drag me out of my car and put guns on me. I still was not this nervous. Because when that happened, when the LAPD did that, I knew I, was, I didn't, wasn't doing anything. I was like, what the fuck? Like, it, you know, it was because I opened my door to tell the cop, hey, my door, my, uh, my window doesn't work. So I have to open the door. You know, they freak the fuck out. But at least I knew I was in the right. And in Atlanta, I was like, look, I am ready for bed. I wanted fries. And I (laughs) am a little high. And I think... uh, they were just so nice. I mean, literally, it wasn't they were so nice. It was just like they made the call. They made the judgment call. They were like, hey, so what's going on? You made that turn wrong. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm trying to get some food. I'm about to go to bed. And I'm, I'm staying at that hotel right there. And I'm not from here. And he's like, yeah, you must have just come from the airport, right? Like, this is a rental. And I was like, yeah. And, like, he just didn't smell the weed on me. Like, thank god i mean so what happened was so he he starts talking to me and he goes um yeah you know it's cool Uh, you know because i was just like i'm doing a show over there i'm staying at the hotel right over there i made a wrong turn and i'm like literally 
you know, a hundred feet from the parking spot I was assigned and, you know, just explaining like, I don't understand the shopping complex, which I didn't. And then <laughs> I'm telling them, I'm like, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, you know, where I am. I'm just in town to do a show. And, uh, you know, I just broke up with my girlfriend. <laughs> That's always a really good tactic with dealing with the police. Just tell them you're going through a breakup, a really nasty breakup, because that's always worked. That's it's an odd thing. Like a, that's literally happened where I've said that to cops, and that's worked. Um, and I think it's honestly that they're always in a bad relationship. <laughs> this maybe this maybe is a little like dude specific, <laughs> if I'm being honest. If you're a woman, uh, I don't know. I think you should maybe be like, oh, I'm being so awful to my cop boyfriend. <laughs> he wants to be a cop. You know what I mean? Like, they're all going through a bad relationship. So that's the thing is like, you just, I I don't know. Me and my comic friends all kind of like cued in on that in Virginia where they pull you over like crazy. Is like, you just tell them, you're like, dude, I'm I'm fucked up right now. Like, my girlfriend j- just broke up with me, and like, didn't even occur to me years later to be like, oh, my wife is divorcing me. You know, like ramp it up. Uh, I never would think to just you know lie more. But the cop tells me he's like, oh, you've got a California license, and that's actually the one state we can't run anywhere like around here you know if there's a problem with you and i have to give you a ticket we have to take you downtown and i'm like so almost near tears in my brain but i'm somehow maintaining the perfect poker face of just like that would really that would be really bad i i would hate to go downtown oh my god jesus christ i cannot sometimes i look back on that i'm like man the fact that i flew in just the smoking weed and then being like let me find a place (laughs) that he tells me guess what any problem we got to take you in i don't know i mean i'm sure i sure well if that isn't an insane example of white privilege i don't know what is i really can't look back on it without being like that's just fucking insane in atlanta (laughs) cop just was like you know, oh, you're from California. I have no way of seeing you're a criminal, huh? Plus, you seem kind of fucking weird. Yeah, I let him go. And then the shows were... Uh, I just did one show, actually, in Atlanta. That was awesome. It was so fucking good. Literally, it rained for, like, three days, you know? And the fact that anybody showed up was amazing. And then I got to hang out with my friend Evan, who lives in Atlanta, and we just talked about comic books for a long time. Man, it was great. I wish I could, like, just rewind time and do it again. It was so much fun. Um, Plus, my thing is, I swear, I don't know why, if a show uh, is kind of not perfect if it's if if there's problems it gives me more to talk about and make fun so sometimes those are just like the most fun because i'll do like almost no material but i'll just have so much fun talking with the crowd doing stuff off the cuff and you know um 
I think I mentioned the fact that the place was haunted, but I don't think I mentioned, I don't think I was mentally ready to talk about the cops yet. Uh, that whole situation. I think in my mind, I was just lucky to like, I was so thankful to not be in prison, uh, for the weekend. Well, folks, uh, thanks for writing in. Of course, uh, feel free to always write in to y'all every email at gmail.com. And yeah, if you want to write in on the prompt of having to deal with friendships during quarantine, I feel like that would be a great prompt. And also go to patreon.com slash y'all ever if you want episodes every Monday uh, and the back catalog of y'all ever and Suicide Buddies episodes and a way to support the podcast. Uh, Always appreciate it. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, glad you're alive. Take care. A, podca- <clears throat> A podcast network.